Hello, Wednesday. Hello, everybody. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Hour number one presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. They'll do great work for you. 405-579-3113. I am here with Parker in the Brown O'Haver Studios. Friday, we'll be out at Riverwind Casino uh, getting ready again for the big Bedlam Beats and Bites uh, concert, which will be happening actually a week from this coming Friday on uh, November 18th, right before the Sooners and Cowboys play the next day in Norman, in Bedlam. Parker Thune, how's your Wednesday so far? I'm tired, Steely. I'm just tired. How much sleep do you get on average per night? I'm going five and a half. I I would say generally it's on the north side of that number. Well, that's good. You need to get at least six, right? Preferably eight. Well, listen, Brent Venables has said you need to get, if you can, you need to get at least eight hours of sleep. He said he can function on six, and if he gets any less than six, it's not a good day the following day. So, per the Brent Venables standard, I try for at least six hours of sleep a night. Have not hit that benchmark a couple times thus far this week. Well, there are things happening, man. Like yesterday, Colton Vosick flipped to Texas. Which, at least it's over. It is over. Here is uh, Longhorn insider Jerry Hamilton on the Texas Football Podcast Talking about Colton Vasek, or Vasek rather, to uh, Texas. Well, I think it's a huge one. Um, first off, I mean, it's a flip from Oklahoma, right, of a Texas legacy. So there's, I mean, you know, look, Roy Miller's going to be fired up on Twitter uh, uh, today about this one, right? But um, I, I think it's a big one because how, how much have we talked about having the win at Westlake and Syntex High School? We talked about it going into this cycle way back, Bobby. I mean, people can pull the videos of us talking about this months ago because we knew how good of a cycle it was in Central Texas. So when Vossett committed to Oklahoma, I mean, that was a pretty big blow for uh, Texas fans and probably the Texas staff because, look, I mean, Westlake is arguably the premier high school program in Texas, that, that or North Shore at this point. And – he plays at Austin Westlake. His dad's a defensive line coach. His dad played at Texas. So he was a topic of conversation, even though he might not have been a five-star ranked kid or top ten type of kid in the country. It's a big get for Texas. There you go. Again, as we expected yesterday when Colton Vosick uh, tweeted out 4 p.m. We're thinking, here it comes. And that's exactly what happened. So... Uh, the Sooners are now number eight in the 247 national team rankings. Texas at number six. You've got Bama one, Georgia two, Notre Dame three. Uh, LSU is up to number four. They're, they're rolling right now. Ohio State number five. But again, Oklahoma at number eight. So what's next for Oklahoma? Cecilia Kana, Peyton Bowen perhaps. Uh, how do the Sooners – it's not that they have to totally recover here. They're still the number eight class in the country. But what's next, and what would be a really good scenario for Oklahoma down the stretch? Well, look, we've talked about it the last couple days. Colton Vosick really isn't the type of player that you can just replace one for one because that's a special type of talent, right? I firmly believe that kid's going to be one of the top 100 players in the country by the end of the cycle. He's currently number 127 overall in the 24-7 sports composite, and he has had a doozy of a senior year. And the kid's been dominant. That's really good. A youngster using doozy. Very impressive. I'm putting down plus five for Parker. There we go. Very nice. Scoring brownie points with the old folks. We love to see it. Uh, But this loss hurts for Oklahoma. It does. It sucks if you're a Sooner fan. Because you were stoked about getting Colton Vosick in the Crimson and Cream. A, because he's really, really talented. And B, 
because this was the biggest shock. This was the biggest surprise of the whole recruiting cycle for Oklahoma to this point. No doubt. Landing a kid that was a Texas legacy in the span of three days from scheduling the unofficial visit at the end of July to committing on the 1st of August, it was kind of a whirlwind courtship between Oklahoma and Colton Bosick. But then forty nine to nothing happened. True, right? And he talked about that. He said he felt he was, you know, there on the sidelines at Oklahoma, and it just didn't feel right. And probably because he was seeing what was going on out there too. Yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing really felt right that day if you were on the Oklahoma no, side of the bowl. Not at it? all. But a, a, another thing that we've talked about throughout the week with regard to Colton Vosick is that. Uh, for, well, we talked about the fact that 49 to nothing was probably kind of the point at which this whole thing turned on its head because you don't just show up to the Cotton Bowl after rooting for Texas your entire life. You don't just show up for the first time to that football game decked out in crimson and cream apparel, watch the Sooners get pounded 49 to nothing, and walk away with without at least a thought embedded in your head that maybe I didn't make the right decision. And so... You understand it from the kid's perspective. His family wanted him to stay home. They wanted him at Texas. I don't think that's a secret. But now for Oklahoma, you lose a guy that was one of the building blocks for this defensive class, a guy that alongside P.J. Adabare and Derek LeBlanc was expected to come in day one and contend for playing time. Yeah, think about this. Or for rotational snaps. Parker, at one point, we're thinking that it's going to be P.J. Adabare. Colton Vosick, Derek LeBlanc, and David Hicks coming in in the 2023 class. And that would have vaulted Oklahoma, particularly if you had Peyton Bowen at safety, then you're looking at the number two class in the country. And again, can Oklahoma rebound to be in the top five if they get Akana, Bowen, some other players down the stretch? Yes. But uh, that's what Suter fans were dreaming of, right? And now, uh, could you flip Hicks? Maybe. You know, if you win out, play better football, A&M continues its uh, rapid ascension uh, downwards under Jimbo. Maybe you can do that. I don't know. We'll see. But that was what fans were dreaming about was that class on the defensive line and then adding Peyton Bowen in as well. Now, again, you still get Derek LeBlanc. You get uh, P.J. Adabare. You get Sammy Almasigo, you get some good players in this class, but it looked like it was going to be a class that we would look back at, you know, for those of you who are going to be around in 50 years and go, man, that, that class is special. You're saying you're not planning on being around in 50 years? I, I think Vegas has me at about 15 tops, probably. Really? Yeah, based well, on my diet I'd take the and everything over. else. I'd take the over. Well, thank you're you. You're pretty spry. For being your really? age. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, you play Fortnite for two hours a well, day. How many I mean, folks your age on. can say that? That's right. I'm a 60-year-old, nearly 60-year-old, going on 12, pretty much. But, uh, by the way, the uh, the clip that we played uh, about Colton Vosick is our Ortho Central clip of the day. Ortho Central, proud to welcome orthopedic surgeon Joshua Wilson, MD. Dr. Wilson, specializing in sports medicine, he's currently accepting new patients in Norman and in Newcastle. You can call and book your appointment today, 405-360-6764. That's 405-360-6764. So what would you say right now, percentage chance that Oklahoma adds Akana and adds Bowen, those two? Those two together, 25-30%. Individually, I would say the odds are about 60% on each of them. Um, 
You know, one of the things that we discussed with Vossick. Now, and that of course, math this doesn't a... sound right, and you're why, why, brilliant. Hold up. Wait a minute. Why you, doesn't it sound right? You said 60% on Akana, 60% on Bowen, right? Yes. And then you said 20% to get both. 25 to 30% to get both is what I said. Wouldn't it be? I mean, I'm really not a smart man like Forrest Gump, but wouldn't that be close to 60 if, if you have a 60 on both of them? No. No, it wouldn't. Because you have to consider. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm digging back see, into I, See, I, I consider you to be brilliant. I consider okay. you to be close to brilliant. So, to me, 60 plus 60 adds up to 120 divided by two players equals 60%. <laughs> yes, but you have to consider the likely – it's it, it's not addition and subtraction. It's multiplication. Ah, okay. Right? So, okay. you have to consider the these two independent outcomes both happening in conjunction. Right? So, that narrows the – Likelihood. Okay. Um, All right. I, I'm not nearly smart enough, Steely, to give you the technical answer. I just know that's that's what I remember from 7th, 8th grade math. Um, but if I ask you to bet right now, put some money on it, put the, uh, put the, uh, you know, the, uh, the title to the white buffalo on the line. Yeah. Would they get both of those guys? Would you bet that – would you put – the title to the white buffalo on the line that they get both. No, Sounds like I, you no would. I would not. But you would on Bowen, maybe? I, I don't know if I'd put the title to my vehicle on either one Come of those guys on. right now. Come on, it's just the white buffalo. It's Listen, already a curse, man. With with as bizarre as with as bizarrely as things have gone on the recruiting trail over the last couple months for Oklahoma, and especially in the last couple weeks, man, I I don't know what to think anymore. I think I have a good idea of what's going on, but there was all that smoke yesterday that Peyton Bowen was visiting Texas this weekend. And so at this, at this point, gosh, I, I, I really am so burned out on this 2023 cycle. Steely, I need it to be over. But uh, Wait, Peyton Bowen potentially visiting Texas? Can that happen? I don't think it's going to happen. But that's word on the street is that could happen this weekend. I, I don't buy it yet. Um, one of the things that we had talked about with Vosick was, you know, he was supposed to visit campus this past weekend for the Baylor game. And leading into that contest, there was kind of a thought he wasn't going to make it up. And what do we come on the air here and say, Steely? Well, if he doesn't make it up, then you kind of see the writing on the wall. And lo and behold, he didn't come up. The writing was very squarely on the wall. And by yesterday, Tuesday, he's officially a Longhorn, which... The silver lining is that it's out of the way and it's over and done with, right? Because I did not want to have to deal with that situation until signing. You want to guess one of the uh, first texts I got as a question after that uh, that news came down yesterday? What's that? One of the first questions. Try and take a guess. It was I, it was laughable. After Vosick's news came down and everybody knew about it, within like five minutes of that happening, I got a text from a friend. Miguel Chavis was a bad hire. No, it was about, it was any chance we can flip Vosick back. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) Yeah, no, that one is uh, hashtag gone forever Aaron Hernandez. Uh, On the text line, the Nebraska public education system is clearly working much better than Oklahoma's. (laughs) Uh, this listener points out, you know, we haven't gotten a recruit since the White Buffalo. There's only one way to deal with curses like that, burn it down. That's very true. We talked about the I fact know. that the Sooners were undefeated, 
when I purchased the White Buffalo, and, and then we, they went on the losing streak. We, we haven't thought, talked about the fact that they haven't gotten a commitment since then. We, they've only lost recruits. We thought that the Drake Dyke and Doom was a stronger evil force, but it is actually it's the White Buffalo. What was the name of that car, Christine, that had a mind of its own, the evil car? I think it was. Anyway, you know what we need to do then? You know what we need to do? We need to have one of those charity events where we take the giant sledgehammer to the White Buffalo. Are you willing to sacrifice (laughs) the White Buffalo to turn the Sooners' fortunes around? Hey, listen, as long as as there's another vehicle for me to drive around. Maybe we can get Seth Wadley to take care of you. As long as I'm not Ubering, we can hold a ceremonial demolition of the White Buffalo. There's a big field, well, not a big field, but a sizable field here next to the ref parking lot, and we could just have Sooner fans come in. Yeah, we'll make a whole event out of it. Yes, and take a sledgehammer to the White Buffalo. We'll sell caramel apples. Why not? Why not? Make it a carnival-type atmosphere. All right, we got a break right here. Hour number one is underway, 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. Any chance of flipping Ted Roof to Texas? <laughs> oh, my God. On the text line. Poor Ted Roof. All right, stay with us. We'll be right back, right here in the ref. Here we are, Wednesday edition, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope your Wednesday's going along well. Sooners and West Virginia, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Our pregame show right here on the Ref begins at 7 a.m. on uh, Saturday. We'll hear some stuff from uh, Neil Brown coming up here in a little bit. Uh, Mountaineer offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. Yes, that Graham Harrell, former Pat Texas Graham State Harrell. Wow, yeah. I forgot he was at West Virginia. Yeah, it's first year on the job. He'll he'll talk about why he thinks Oklahoma is struggling uh, defensively. We'll get into that a little bit later on. A very important update, by the way, okay. that I need to inform you of. Go for you know it. who is signing with Oklahoma today? Uh, Peyton Bowen's girlfriend. Peyton Bowen's girlfriend. There you go. Steely. That's huge, ladies and gentlemen. Sound the alarm. Sound the alarms. Play some cool in the gang. Actually, don't play some cool in the gang, but play something. That's good. That's really good. You know what? And I saw that yesterday, and people are the worst. Like they said on Seinfeld, people, they're the worst. So the, the tweet goes out of uh, Peyton Bowen's girlfriend, who's a fantastic athlete at Geyer. And, uh, you know, announcing that she's going to be continuing her athletic career to play soccer at OU. And right off the bat, when I saw that, like the third response (laughs) was like, ew, you can get better at Texas. Somebody commenting on her physical appearance. Just pathetic. I mean, just absolutely pathetic. People are the worst. They're the absolute worst. And you know what brings out the worst in people? Social media, Steely. Well, yeah, because you can say anything and you hide behind, you know, uh, you know, 
I'm a Sooner 47426Z43 or whatever. Yeah, but it's like, man, right off the bat, that, that young lady's probably super excited to see that come out and somebody says, eh. I mean, it's just, it's just so sad. People are the worst. You know what I found myself watching last night? Election coverage. Really? Oh, wow. The uh, <laughs> I stay as far away from politics as I can. See, generally I, just, I do too. You know, it's but just, it's just so. I was bad. like, you know it's, what? It's a raging inferno of hate. It's so bad. This this ought. To, I was like, this ought to be fun. See how the so I'm flipping back and forth between the major partisan networks, right? Oh, were you? <laughs> and really? they're continuing wow. to throw shade at each other all night. I'm surprised just your head didn't explode. Perfect encapsulation of society, though. By the way, shout out to my uncle John. Retained his Senate seat in South Dakota last night. What? Big really? Yeah. I forgot you have a senator, man. You're taken care of. He's taking kickbacks right now. He's in with special interest groups, and he's got you in his will. You're good, man. I don't think he has me in his will. Why not? <laughs> Get tighter with the guy right now. Do it. That's what you need to do. You need to You need to cozy up to a rich relative he's, if you have one. He's got two married daughters of his own, so... Uh, odds are whatever inheritance they they have is going directly to them. Oh, okay. Well, you know. But hey, yeah, the Thunes, they have influence. Big in, in the South state Dakota? of South Dakota. Is he like a big rancher like uh, Kevin Costner uh, in uh, Yellowstone? He is, he is not a rancher Political at all. player, all of that stuff. No, there are no ranchers in my family. Interestingly enough, <laughs> I'm assuming we're four seven four two Z four six is so mad right now. <laughs> oh man! Somebody said Graham Harrell has the most astute observation <laughs> in history. Yes, dude, we are struggling on. No, defense. that's not what I meant. Somebody asked him why he thinks you know Brent Bittable's defense is struggling early on, and he gave his reaction to that. He a lot of times when you see this stuff or hear this stuff, it's because somebody's asked the question. You know, you know what I'm saying. All right. Uh, by the way. I was thinking about this today. When you left Lincoln, Nebraska and came home in the White Buffalo, all was good. And remember the honeymoon period for Brent Venables was unbelievable. It couldn't have gone any better than the Sooners recruiting well. They still are. They're still number eight in the country uh, with this recruiting class. It's going to be a good class. It could be, again, still a great class uh, if a few things happen down the stretch. But everything was great, man. The spring game was unbelievable. A packed house. Everybody's feeling good. And then womp, 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 the Kale Gundy thing happened. And then after that, what really has happened good for Oklahoma besides the win? The win in Lincoln is the highlights over a below-average bad Nebraska team. The win at Iowa State was pretty good. Now, look, recruiting is still going well. Maybe spring in a few leaks there, though. So... Sooner fans, I can see, look, I want to underline right now that I'm still 100% bought in on Brent Venables. I like what he's doing. I like the approach. I, I still think they need to go in this direction with their program if you really want to compete for national championships. But right now, man, it doesn't look good. So if you're a Sooner fan, what is, you know, if you're still totally bought in on Brent, why is that? Now, I know it's very early. But Parker, since, you know, it, it felt like everything, and none of us thought this team was going to compete for a national championship. Maybe if they had a great year, maybe they could get in the playoff. 
you know, best case scenario. Look, I'm, I've admitted many times I pumped a little too much sunshine. I bought in too much. I thought, yeah, Oklahoma's still going to go out and win 10 games. And they've got a good home schedule. The big threats are, again, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. You have them all at home. So, look, hand up, totally guilty. But, uh, you know, it just seems like ever since – and I'm not saying this is what started it, but everything was going great. Then the Kale Gundy stuff came down, which was horrible, uh, you know, because everybody loves Kale Gundy. They don't think that he's a racist, but that obviously was ugly and it changed things. And I don't know, what what are you hanging your hat on now? I guess Brent Venable's track record would be what you have to look at in the track record of these coaches, and, which is pretty good. And the sample size. Yeah. Right? it's It's been nine football games. And – there are some that say, and somewhat understandably so, well, nine games into the season, you should have some of this stuff figured out. And I don't disagree with that yeah. at all. No, no they're, they're, they're not playing as well right as they should be at this point in the season. But I think what Brent Venables has done over the last 30 years means a little bit more than what his program has done or hasn't done over the course of nine games. And look, you're going <laughs> to... Let's use a political analogy here. You're going to have to drain the swamp to a certain extent in the offseason, right? Here we go. Politics again. Not me. <laughs> it's not me. There's going to be a lot of roster turnover because you're still dealing with the aftershock. You're still, you're still dealing with the subtle imprint of the mule shoe culture. Yeah, right? and, but and that I don't, takes a while to overhaul. Of, none of us thought it would be to this extent, though. And look. Six quarters without Dylan Gabriel proved to be a catastrophe. And you can say what you want about Dylan Gabriel. Uh, you know, that, um, that situation should never be that bad with a backup quarterback. I get it. But, um, you know, I'm just – I've got a few people who text me now. Brent's not the answer already. I'm like, it's, let him finish his first year. It's ridiculous. But Oklahoma fans – you know, I've been so accustomed to, all right, even in tight games, they'll find a way to win. Oklahoma's going to win double-digit games. But I want to know uh, why you are still bought in, OU fans, on Brent's when there are some people, not many, but they're, they're, those people can be the most vocal and the most out there on social media. You know, Trey, who's a big listener of ours, Brent's not the answer. This isn't, yeah, this well, isn't working. You know? And look – I just hope, and I'm not saying I, I'm not sitting here and telling those people that they're going to be a hundred percent wrong in the end. But I would hope that if things are drastically different two, three years down the line, those same folks are going to be willing to come back around and say, "I overreacted. I misread the situation. I wrote Brent Venable's epitaph too early." Because I think what's important to understand here is that. Brent Venables looks very unfazed by all of this. And what is the He is getting a little more he's testy. He's getting a though. little bit more testy, but I think Maybe that has a, a lot to do with the fact that other people aren't as patient as him, right? And what does he what does he keep emphasizing over and over? It's 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 not about the results right now, it's about the process. And when and I'm paraphrasing what he said across a variety of different press yeah, conferences. Yeah, we, we've got but, a clip we can play where he says all that yeah, stuff coming up later. It's not about the results, it, it's about the process and when you've seen a process pay off before and you're confident in the course that you've taken and you stay faithful to that course, you're going to start seeing positive results at a certain point in time 
even if it's not on the timetable that everybody expects or wants. Hey, by the way, remember Mark Mangino, former Sooner assistant, great coach at Kansas, uh, you know, was on the staff with Brent, obviously at Oklahoma and at Kansas State. He was on the Plank uh, Big 12 show on Sirius XM not long ago and said this about Brent. He knew the challenges coming to Norman. You know, Brent came in clear-eyed. You think he didn't study the, the Oklahoma personnel and everything before he even talked to the people from Oklahoma or maybe right after they contacted him? He's been at Oklahoma. He knows the caliber of talent. He knows the, the importance of football to the state of Oklahoma and especially OU fans. So he came into this clear-eyed. Uh, uh, he's going to be fine. What if Brent would have came into Oklahoma the fans are already in shock about their coach leaving town, their quarterback leaving town, others. What if you come in and say, well, you know, I evaluate the personnel. It's, you know, some of it's good, most of it's not. we got to recruit better. We're not – I think some people would have jumped off the ledge in Oklahoma. Am I right or am I wrong? He came <laughs> in with a lot of positive energy and made those fans feel good again. Brent will never abandon Oklahoma. He's staying there for the long haul to win national championships and conference championships. And fans take warning. Don't abandon him. You'll be sorry. There you go. The words of Mark Mangino, ladies and gentlemen. That was that on is the at show. Keep Sawing Wood on Twitter, folks. <laughs> there you go. Mark Mangino. What a classic. All right, ladies and gentlemen, quick break right here. We got a ton of text rolling in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You guys always fill up that Air Comfort Solutions text line. 405-651-3439. If we don't read your text, maybe keep sending it, copy and paste it, send it to us again because we get a lot uh, every day. It's unbelievable, right around 500 per day. So let's break and uh, come back and hit the text line here on the Home of Sooner Fans, The Ref. Here we go into a Wednesday, heading to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Sooners, West Virginia, Fox Sports 1, 11 a.m. on Saturday. Our pregame coverage begins at 7 a.m. right here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Right before we get to the text line, the OC, the new OC this year at West Virginia is Graham Harrell, and he was asked, at his uh, meeting with the media yesterday, why why do you think Oklahoma is struggling on defense with a defensive uh, guru like Brent Venables and good talent? Here's what he had to say. You know, I think there's a uh, probably a lot of factors that go into that, and, and um, but I think a lot of times, you know, what's like that, it's probably has something to do with still learning and still trying to figure, you know, get the system down completely. When you make an overhaul and and uh, you know you got a whole new staff and you're probably putting in a whole new scheme and a whole new terminology. Um, 
that doesn't just happen overnight, you know. I mean, from a from a terminology standpoint, it's like learning a new language, you know. And and from from a scheme standpoint, uh, you know, depending on what you're trying to do, like it could be completely new techniques, and you could be playing in spots you aren't used to playing. And so I think that um, as a unit, when when you got 11 guys that all are dependent on each other, like if you're not, uh, if you, if you don't have it down pat, like sometimes things happen like that, you know. And uh, but no, you know, Coach Venable has been a really good coach for a long time, and and so you know, I don't think I think in time he he'll get that thing going and and play some really good defense. I just think, like I said, there's a learning curve to everything. There you go, Graham Harrell. Uh, where does Harold the Crabtree rank on your list of great college football players? Oh you, my goodness, you would have been what, like six years old? That no, was two. So that I, was two thousand eight, right? I was nine. You were nine. And I tell you what, being that young, generally, what would happen was. Uh, my parents would send me to bed before the Saturday night game was over. But I remember that night, of course, it, and the game didn't end till we're in the central time zone. The game wouldn't end till probably 1030 or so. And so uh, we always had church to be at the next morning. And so I was always typically in bed before the game was over, unless it was an OU game that was particularly significant. Right. And so, I remember this, this is literally the only time this ever happened. My dad came and woke me up and like hurried me downstairs to watch the Texas Tech fans storming the field, uh, to watch the replay of the play that uh, decided the game. Michael Crabtree, of course, sauntering into the end zone to win that game 39 to 33 for the Red Raiders. And so, yeah, it's indelibly etched into my memory. That's for sure. Do you remember the Longhorn defensive back who dropped the interception that could have sealed the deal? None other than Blake Gideon. Boom, 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 boom. Yes, very nice. Total recall there. Not just a Schwarzenegger movie. It is a feature uh, very much in the brain of Parker Thune when it comes to 2008 college football. And it was Earl Thomas that Crabtree stiff-armed on the sideline. Yeah, Earl Thomas, pretty good player. Yeah, he pretty turned out play, all right. And a pretty good player in the NFL as well. All right, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Ladies and gentlemen, 405-651-3439. Hour number one here on Steelman and Thune. Here we go. Here's a great question. What do A&M and Lincoln Riley have in common? This listener says they both suck. Hmm. There we go. Boom, boom. Uh, how would you rate Ethan Downs this season? Been a little disappointing in my opinion. Yeah, that's tough for me because I'm – I was and am very high on Ethan Downs. Yeah, I no, think the no, world of the kid. I don't doubt a, his talent at all. Yeah, he's a phenomenal human being. He's an incredibly hard worker. He's got a ton of natural talent. He has not been productive in the slightest at this point in the year, and I don't know what to chalk that up to. I you know what it is, Parker? He's a three-man front. It's Ted Roof. Is what it is. Or it's Ethan Downs is an Oklahoma kid, and they only recruited him because he's from the state of Oklahoma, and he's not actually good enough to play Sooner football. I, I, mean, I think he is. We're yeah, no, I a, think he's more than good enough. I think that's a future NFL player. I'll stick to my guns on If you're that. giving up on Ethan Downs, that's way, way, way too early because I still think he's going to be a player. Okay, here we go. Here we go. Wait, hang on. We talked about this yesterday. I guess this listener missed it, though, so we'll rehash this briefly. Yeah, we did answer this yesterday. Once we'll do again, it again, my lunch break is dedicated to your show. Perhaps you will read my text today. 
Can you all set the morning guys straight? They said they would start Dylan Gabriel over Landry Jones. Landry was an NFL quarterback, albeit a backup. Dylan Gabriel couldn't hold Landry's jockstrap. And I am 100% with the morning guys on that. Because to me, I yes, I would take Dylan Gabriel 10 times out of 10 over Landry Jones. Because two things Dylan Gabriel has that Landry Jones does not. Dylan Gabriel does not have a propensity to turn the football over. And he's got a ton of mobility. You cannot say those two things for Landry Jones. So... Well, He's the all-time passing leader in OU, though, right? Well, yes. I and mean, people yes, will, and people look at that. And, look, Landry had a good arm, but he also had well, the five-interception game against Nebraska. He had that big-time interception game against Miami. Um, I, I'm not as decisively on the side of Gabriel as you, but if you ask me to make a pick, I would say I, I would – slight edge to Dylan Gabriel. Well, and people bring up the fact that Landry Jones was a four-year starter, which he was. I'm not taking that away from him. But why was he a four-year starter? (laughs) Because Sam Bradford separated his shoulder. Absent that, Landry Jones does not own a lot of the Oklahoma career passing records because he's only got three years at that point. There have been quite a few guys that have started for three years at the University of Oklahoma, most recently Baker Mayfield. And so he's a lot... uh, He's got a lot more company on the all-time career records lists if he hadn't had the year 2009 as a starter as a redshirt freshman. Right. So that wasn't a job that he that, – that wasn't an honor that he won of his own accord. It was just kind of uh, the luck of the draw. He ends up getting forced into action sooner than anybody could have anticipated. And who else was Oklahoma going to put at quarterback in those days? Because right. you saw what the post-Landry Jones era looked like. It was – the Blake Bell and Trevor Knight law firm mm-hmm. with a side of Cody Thomas. But it became great that Blake Bell was great in the Belldozer, man. He was great at Notre Dame. They had their moments, and Trevor Knight, of course, had the moment. Trevor Knight's hero, Sugar Bowl victory over Alabama, the game where LeColton Bester introduced himself to the rest of America. Uh, it was it was pretty awesome. By the way, most I, I think about 60% of the texters are saying Landry. Which is weird to me because, okay, this, this listener is on our side. He says, you're really comparing Gabriel to the worst starting quarterback in my adult life. Just stop already. Oh, I think we've seen worse than Landry. Uh, yes. Long term, like a guy that got repeated opportunities to start. I don't know. Like, Landry Jones Mm -hmm. was certainly no Sam Bradford. He was certainly no Jason White, certainly no Josh Heupel. But by the same token, he was not Cody Thomas either. True. All right, 405-651-3439. Yeah, we talked about this for – it became about a 10-minute conversation yesterday. A lot of people weighing in on the text line. The the dude texted back and said, sorry, must have had to take a phone call. All right, no problem. We just wanted to let you know we did answer it. Uh, and there's still some text coming in. All right, we've got so many coming in. Let's take a quick break right here so we stay on schedule. There's nothing worse than going over and having like two minutes when you come back. So let's stay on schedule right here. We'll get as many texts in as we can when we get back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the ref, 135. Norman Transcript Sports Editor Jesse Crittenden doing a great job covering the Sooners will join us. That's on the way. Keep it here.
All right, on Friday, I will be out at one of my uh, favorite places, Riverwind Casino on an OEC Fiber Football Friday. And there is a big happening out at Riverwind on Friday as well. The 15K Veterans and Victories promotion for Veterans Day coming up this Friday, November 11th. From noon to 9 p.m., the first 200 players to present a military or veteran ID at the North Promotions booth are going to receive $25 in bonus play and will earn one entry for every five points on their Riverwind wild card. Any players who register between 12 and 3 will also receive uh, 50 additional entries into the drawing later that day. So be out at Riverwind. If you're a veteran, if you've been in the military, make sure you have your ID and you've got a great chance. Uh, first of all, you're getting $25 in bonus play just for presenting your military ID. Then at 5 p.m., three players will be drawn out every half hour to receive $250 in bonus play. And then at 9 p.m., Two, not one, but two grand prize winners will be selected to receive $2,000 in bonus play. Another great promotion from our friends at Riverwind Casino, the 15K Veterans and Victories promotion. If you're a veteran, make sure you get out to Riverwind this coming Friday, November 11th from noon to 9 p.m. Make sure you bring your military or veteran ID, and you will have a great chance to win, and at least you're going to get $25 in bonus play. Heck of a deal. Another reason why Riverwind Casino is simply the best all right true suitor said they never saw jake sills <laughs> jake sills that predates me doesn't yes it? jake sills did start a bedlam game i remember in stillwater at least get i think he started that game in stillwater that was back during the uh, john blake era so uh true very true okay 405-651-3439 does parker have any info on the new defensive end offer taylor wine we're gonna say wine uh, of the 23 class? I mean, it's a new offer. Kids from Nolansville, Tennessee. Fast riser, OU. Much like the conversation we were having about Marcus Strong at this time last week, OU's the biggest offer on his sheet as of right now. Uh, that I mean, that is a big step towards replacing the loss of Colton Vosick. Well, I don't know if it's a big step. It's a step. Um, I will... I'm hesitant. I I don't really know what to how to present this, Steely, because the kid's a three star, right? So regardless of how I try to hype this kid up and talk about how good he's been as a senior, there are going to be certain folks that write him off just because he's a three star. Oh, this is our backup plan for Colton Vosick. Three star, three star. You, you. we'll see that again. Pop. Yeah, up. we will. Uh, but no, look, this is a guy that, uh, from what I have been told. Ha- already has plans to visit Oklahoma. Uh, again, has had really, really strong senior tape. Uh, a guy that has been a fast riser in recruiting circles. So, you know, we'll see about it. We'll see about it. I, I'm i not going to sit here and say he's 100% a member of the class. And I, as I've said many times, since the news kind of became apparent that Colton Vosick was on the verge of flipping back to Texas – if I'm Oklahoma right now, I am throwing the kitchen sink at Reuben Bain, a guy who led the nation with 29 sacks as a junior, the four-star out of Miami, Florida. Who is leading on him right now? That's a great question, and I don't know if anybody is. So, there you go. There you go. If I'm the Sooners, I am putting the full-court press on Reuben Bain, and everything else is a contingency plan. Now, I think Taylor Wine's a really viable contingency plan, but my priority right now, if I'm the Oklahoma defensive staff, is – 
getting back into the recruitment of Ruben Bain in a big way. And Oklahoma's been in it, but kind of on the outskirts, on the fringes. If you can make a push for him, somehow find a way to get him back on campus, that's going to be big. There you go. That sounds like a plan to me. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Gerard Reese, baby, says somebody, a former Sooner quarterback from Seminole. Uh, From the 405, still bought in completely. We have to root out a decade of playing bad defense. It is ingrained in these players, and it's hard to get that out of them. You've talked about that. Yeah, uh, it's – Kind of having to rewire yeah, some of unlearn. these players. A lot of these guys got to unlearn, and that's easier said than done in some cases, and everybody unlearns on a different timeline. And so there are some guys – and we, we talk a lot about the bad. We haven't talked a whole lot about the good. Billy Bowman has been outstanding when he's been healthy to this point in the season. Um, Very quietly, and again, you talk about a guy that doesn't have to unlearn. How about the Wyoming transfer, C.J. Colden? He's played some really good ball the last four games, and he's starting to see the field more and more and more. And so it's about finding those guys whose learning curves, or unlearning curves, I should say, are less steep than the others, and putting them at the forefront defensively for your program, having faith uh, that X guy, Y guy, Z guy uh, is going to be able to go out there for you on the defensive side of the football and help ease the transition for some of the younger, more inexperienced players because there's not as much onus on them immediately to get things figured out. Uh, this this is quite a take on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. First off, somebody asked, does Ruben Bain have the OU offer? Yes, he has for quite some time. He actually took an official visit to Oklahoma in early June. Um, I think the reason Ethan Downs ain't playing good is – oh, please say in redneck voice. Okay. I think the reason Ethan Downs ain't playing good is because he went and got engaged. He has other things on his mind than just football. Please say in redneck voice. (laughs) They're asking for the redneck voice now. And please read it like that. Okay. What is the name of the three-star DN Parker was just talking about? If you missed it there, Taylor Wine out of Nolensville, Tennessee. W-E-I-N. W-E-I-N. Wine. Does Steve Zabel have a grandson? I don't know. Does he? Steve Zabel was a heck of a player. I know that. Big time. Big time. Steve Zabel, uh, I'm trying to remember, was he the number one pick in the draft? I. If he wasn't, he was up there. Uh, Steve Zabel, sooner, of course, not Steve Sable, NFL Films. Let me go ahead and Google that up. Do we have time? Go yeah, ahead. we got time. Go ahead. Steve Go ahead, Google it up. Zabel, See what you can find out about old He was Steve a Zabel. high pick, I know that. Um, yeah, he was. I do know that much. Very high pick. Uh, <laughs> this listener says, I would take Nate Hibble over Number Landry six, Jones. by the way, overall. Sorry, number six. Number six. six. To the Lions, right? I think he went to the Eagles. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, Eagles, uh, and then he played in New England. Oh, so I was way off. Uh, I would take Nate Hibble over Landry Jones if you let me have Quentin Griffin as part of the deal, says one listener. Uh, another asks, is it something as simple as the players we have now do not fit Venable's scheme? I'll tell you what, they weren't recruited specifically to Brent Venable's scheme. Like, Venable's had the opportunity to do at a certain point at Clemson. So, again, we talk about BV being able to get his guys on campus. That's part of that conversation right there. Yeah. 
no doubt. All right, we got so many texts rolling in. We'll get to as many as we can. We have Jesse Crittenden coming up at 135. We'll devote the first two segments to nothing but your texts. If we can get them all in, you guys being uh, great again on the text line. Appreciate each and every one of them. And we'll get back to as many as we can when we get back. That's a wrap for hour number one. Thanks to Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Hour two is straight ahead. It's a Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. It is our number two right here on Steelman and Thune. Basketball tonight at the Paycom Center, uh, Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin. The Milwaukee Bucks coming to OKC. Bucks beat Oklahoma City uh, last Saturday night. Giannis didn't play with knee soreness. Then the Thunder will play uh, Toronto at home Friday, Sunday at the Knicks at 11 a.m. So a little uh, NBA hoops tonight in Oklahoma City and uh, NFL football tomorrow night, Thursday night game. Prime video, Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit have to be going. Seriously? Falcons, I feel bad for Al, Falcons man. in Carolina from Carolina. Four I and five so Atlanta. for Al. <laughs> two and seven Carolina. And the Panthers have announced that P.J. Walker will start that game. Oh, gosh. Tomorrow night. Not Baker, P.J. Walker. All right, uh, the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley is bringing you hour number two right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Uh, great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles. They're all there on the lot. Great selection, great service after the sale. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Okay, let's try and catch up as best we can on the text line. Parker, I'll, you you can do it. Okay, let's see here. Ahem. Parker, percentage chances we land at least one of these guys. Bowen, Hicks, Akana. If we're just talking one out of the three, I think the percentage is very high. I would say 80 to 85% that at least one of them is a Sooner. You just got to go one for three. I feel very good about the Sooner's odds with those three. Now... You start getting into multiples. You say you give me two or three or all three, then the number starts to get a lot slimmer. But, no, I firmly believe at least one of those players is going to be a Sooner. Um, hey, Parker, how are things looking with Ashton Sanders, defensive lineman out of Los Angeles, California? Of course, he's going to officially visit Oklahoma for Bedlam. And, look, things are looking good there. I think that's a battle between Oklahoma and Wisconsin at the moment. But we won't really have a reliable sense of where things stand until he gets the chance to take the official visit. So that's about where things stand with Ashton Sanders. 
I'm not going to be able to give you all much better insight on that situation until he gets to town next week, just because there's not a whole lot that has the opportunity to change between now and whenever Ashton Sanders makes his first journey to Norman, Oklahoma. Can OU trade Ted Roof for Jim Knowles? I think you're probably going to need to throw in a couple draft picks if (laughs) you're going to swing that. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. All right. uh, Okay. Scroll up to that one, Steely. I'm the one. uh, Steely, I told you this before, but I'm the one who called Joe D on the postgame show after the Colorado game. Anyway, didn't we play five quarterbacks that game and played a bunch? El Dudorino. What's up, El Dudorino? That was the California game, though, right? It was the Cal game that they lost. And I'm driving home, and Joe Dickinson, the OU offensive coordinator, had a show that was broadcast on this station at the time. And it was at a place called the Village Trattoria, an Italian restaurant over in Brookhaven Village. And I remember Myron Patton was hosting the show, and Joe Dickinson would come over, and they they went to the phone lines. And I'm driving home. I've already finished all my postgame duties for the other station I was working at. So I'm flipping around. I hear, I'll see what Joe Dickinson has to say. So they they go to the phones, and the first caller, let me see if I can remember 100% correctly, was said, yeah, I got three questions for Coach Joe D. <laughs> Number one, what the hell kind of offense are we running out there? Number two, um, uh, how much are they paying you to do this sorry of a job? And number three, where are you going to be coaching next year? I'll hang up and listen. And Joe Dickinson, man, he bowed up. But Joe Dickinson, uh, who's still around, quarterback coach and everything, the guy knows football. It didn't work out at OU, but he had success other places. Uh, you know, there was just a bad period for Oklahoma football. But Joe Dickinson kind of had a voice that didn't sound like a big football voice. So he's like, hey, buddy, I'll tell you what. you want? Why don't you come down here and say that to my face? So it was uh, – but I just remembered the guy was just boom, boom, boom. I'll hang up and listen. So they've been around for a while. They've been around for a while. This listener says, if we can flip Parker from Nebraska – we can flip DJ Hicks from AM. Have faith, people. There you go. Now, somebody is saying that uh, Hicks and uh, his buddy are visiting Oregon this weekend. Yeah, that's a thing. It's not really something worth paying attention to, I don't think. But yeah, they're visiting Oregon. So there's that. Just a sightseeing trip? I mean, hey, Oregon's a nice area of the country, the Pacific Northwest. It's one of the very few regions of the country to which I have never been, but I I have had it on the bucket list. I've just been waiting for an opportunity to visit up there for quite a while. Gordon Reese still there running the replay booth? Do we know? <laughs> is Gordon Reese still well, around? I would think that Gordon. If he is, lay it all on Oregon. Gordon this might Saturday. be in football heaven. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> see, this has been bad for a while. And there was no social media back then, right? Maybe was Facebook around? I'm yeah, trying to remember. Facebook was around. Twitter. Twitter was brand. Twitter was, was it in its brand infancy. New? Okay, yeah. um, but Gordon Reese. There was an article. <laughs> Gordon Reese was getting calls to his house. They're threatening to kill me. You know, which is really <laughs> sad. Oh man! But again, people are the worst, Steely. People are the worst. And Gordon Reese did make a really atrocious call. I just got the, very mid- crucial moment, I got the but- middle picture of Mr. Magoo. I, I don't know if you're aware of who Mr. Magoo is, but if you're old enough, if you're old like me, a fossil like me, I, that's 
how I pictured Gordon Reese up there in the replay booth. Parker, oh, let's see. Where's where's this text? I, I just had a text that I wanted to read, and then it disappeared on me. Uh, Hicks and Damian Sanford are visiting Oregon this weekend. Do you think after the OU visit, especially if OU beats OSU under the LED lights and in that kind of atmosphere, that they would flip to OU? And if you get Hicks, do you get his high school teammate too? Yeah, I think Hicks and Sanford are going to play together. I'll say that much. And I was talking this morning with someone who is as well-connected and as reliable as anybody I know. And uh, they told me that they had it relayed to them regarding the situation in College Station. And this is, this is a direct quote. Nobody wants to play at A&M right now. Nobody. So, take that for what it's worth, but at the very least, I think it bodes well for OU's chances to get back in the boat for DJ Hicks because as of right now, and I'm not saying this can change, because there's all this Texas smoke lately, and now apparently they're going to Oregon. But if you take Texas A&M out of the picture for DJ Hicks, Oklahoma's the leader. Oklahoma's the school he's most comfortable with. What if Oklahoma goes 6 and 6 though? Well, then that would suck. I mean, do you think how much is that going to affect how much is the rest of this year going to affect DJ Hicks if he decides he's not going to aim? Well, it depends on perception, right? Because I have oft cited a conversation that I had with Nigel Smith, the four-star defensive lineman out of Melissa, Texas in the class of 2024, and Nigel is a very straightforward, very forthcoming type of kid, uh, very sincere. He will look you in the eye, and he's not going to BS you. Uh, He will tell you exactly what he thinks. And I was down there visiting Nigel about a month ago, watched his game on a Thursday night, and caught up with him after the fact and essentially asked him, look, does Oklahoma's losing skid affect your perception of the university and the coaching staff? And he said, no, absolutely not. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, but what he communicated to me was the message from the OU staff throughout all of this has been consistent, and they're right on in pointing out that they're only going to be able to do so much. They're only going to be able to have so much success until they have the opportunity to get their guys on campus. So I understand the scuffles that they're experiencing in year one, and I know it's not going to last because those coaches are elite. So... How many people look at it through the lens of somebody like Nigel Smith and how many people see it from the perspective of somebody like Colton Vosick, for instance, yeah, who showed up to the Red River Showdown, watched Oklahoma get pounded, and kind of planted the seed in his mind that maybe I should just go to Texas instead. Maybe I should just stay home. So it all depends on perspective and perspective differs, right? You can't paint with too broad a brush and you don't know hundred percent how each of these guys sees it individually. By the way, somebody asking on the text line, the air comfort solutions, text line 405-651-3439. Is it true that Lewis Carter, who is the Sooners four-star linebacker out of Tampa, Florida, is it true that he's going to visit Auburn? Uh, I, so, again, the, right now, that situation is much akin to the Peyton Bowen, Texas situation, where the word is he's, quote-unquote, expected on campus. In Austin. Yes, but I don't know if it actually happens. Lewis Carter is expected on campus 
down on the plains. I don't know if it actually happens. And Lewis Carter has some very pro-Auburn people in his circle, and it hasn't really mattered. I don't think it will matter because Auburn's a train wreck right now in the throes of a tempest. But that that is the word from Auburn circles is that they're supposed to be getting Lewis Carter in on campus. How much does that mean? How significant is that? I don't really know. I would imagine that the OU staff will probably be having a conversation with Lewis Carter if that thing's legit and actively discouraging him from taking that trip. Because on the one hand, look, Anthony Evans went to Georgia last weekend and nothing came of it. I don't think anything will come of it. But you can't help but have a little bit of PTSD right now with regard to the visit policy because you just watched Colton Vosick continually stretch the limits of said policy and he ended up flipping to Texas. Yeah. Right. So really not a uh, not a line you want to straddle if you're the OU staff, I don't think. 405 uh, says Taylor Wayne offer. I'm going with Wayne. Taylor Wayne offer. Yeah, we talked about that in the first hour. I'm going with Wayne because serial killer Ed Gain spelled his name G-E-I-N. Ed Gain. So I'm going Taylor Wayne. Okay, I'll I'll find out. Well, I'll have a definitive answer. Ed Gain, who was the uh, inspiration. Well, no, that doesn't sounds horrible. But uh, for Buffalo <laughs> <The> Bill, inspiration. <laughs> what an inspirational guy. Uh, he was the. Uh, that's who they modeled the Buffalo Bill character around. Kind of what he did, wait, wait, which, which is like you know serial killing. Uh, Ed Gain was the dude's the name. The Buffalo Bill character? In Silence of the Lambs. Oh, okay. I was about to say, so they didn't model. I've never seen Silence of the Lambs. So Best Picture. Academy yeah, Award again, winner. Again, again, there are a lot of movies I haven't seen, Steely. Yeah. All right, we got a break right here, ladies and gentlemen. I did not expect the Ed Gain reference today, but you know what? I, I did it. I did it. So I'm going with Taylor Wayne. We'll see. All right. Stay with us. We've got another segment of uh, your text coming up at the Air Comfort Solutions text line. We are also going to hear from Neil Brown on why he believes his Mountaineers are going to be fired up for Oklahoma coming up this weekend. We'll do that when we get back. We also have Jesse Crittenden on the way on the Riverwind Casino Hotline at 135. Keep it right here on The Ref. You're with Steel Man and Thune here on a Wednesday edition on the home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Oklahoma, West Virginia, 11 a.m., Fox Sports 1. Coming up Saturday, our pregame show begins at 7 a.m. right here on the Ref. Neil Brown is on the hot seat. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no doubt about it. In fact, in the latest uh, coaches' hotseats.com ratings, 
Uh, That's the thing, coacheshotseats.com? Yes. You want to know who number one is? Uh, I'm going to say it's Neil Brown. No, 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 no. Oh, it's not Neil Brown. Okay. Well, I figured that was the that was the easiest answer, right? Uh, He's seventh, by the way. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Number one. It's really kind of an easy answer if you think about it. Jimbo Fisher? Ding, 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 well, ding. Well, hello. Yes, Jimbo is number one. Uh, they had Pat Fitzgerald of Northwestern second. Butch Jones of Arkansas State, number three. David Shaw of Stanford, four. Justin Wilcox, the Cal head coach. Uh, number five, Neil Brown of West Virginia. Number seven, Butch Jones. Butch now, Jones. There's man. a name I haven't yeah. heard in a He's, very long time. He, he came to uh, Norman as the head coach of the uh, Tennessee Vols back in the day. Butch Jones's life is just an endless cycle of getting fired at a job that's progressively less prestigious than yeah, the last. That, you're exactly right. Uh, Mario Cristobal of Miami is number 11. Brent Venables is number 13 on the list. And Steve Sarkeesian, number 17 on the list. So Neil Brown, again, uh, has been a good year for West Virginia. They're three and six. They're one and five. Their victories beat Towson State, beat Virginia Tech, beat Baylor in Morgantown. Losses to Pitt, Kansas, Texas, Texas Tech, TCU, and Iowa State. Uh, and of course, they lost to Iowa State last week. So uh, he's been under a lot of criticism. JT Daniels didn't play well at all last week. He has played well on occasion this year. But Neil Brown says uh, his team will be ready. He thinks this is a big opportunity for his team. The way I look at it is this. You know, football football problems are, you know, those are better than 99.9% of other people's problems. So um, I'm not going to get too hung up on them. You know, I hate it because the investment level's high. You know, I said that at the opening there. Um and when things don't go the way you want them to go, that's disappointing. But you always have next, you know. And, and this week, the thing that's great and the reason why, you know, I really believe our guys um, are excited is because Oklahoma – and you have an opportunity to do something that hasn't been done since we joined the Big 12. West Virginia hasn't beaten Oklahoma uh, since joining the Big 12. Now, a couple of big wins before joining the Big 12, and, and obviously we know about those. And um, But this team has the opportunity to be the first one to win since joining the Big 12. So I think that is, is added incentive. There you go. Yeah, the uh, big wins he's referring to, obviously, the Fiesta Bowl victory when uh, Pat White, Steve Slayton, Noel Devine, Owen Schmidt and company uh, dominated that Oklahoma football team. And then the other one was Jeff Hostetler coming to Norman in 1982 in the season opener and passing the Mountaineers past Barry Switzer in Oklahoma in that season opener in 1982. And Hostetler would go on to win a Super Bowl. By the way, that is true. That happened eventually. And you feel you feel like Neil Brown has a bit more confidence heading into this weekend, knowing that his program won't have to deal with Nick Benita coming off the Nick edge. Nick Benita, that's right. They're, they're good off the edge. They can rush the passer with Nick Benita. Uh, by the way, you know what? West Virginia should have won in Norman last year, right? Yeah. I've, if it weren't for that snap, <laughs> you can certainly make that argument. See, Muleshoe got some breaks, man. Right? I mean, think about that. They are going to probably win that football game. And then the uh, center snaps the ball. The quarterback's not ready for it. And uh, all of a sudden, you know. Uh, that, that was just a terrible game. That, what was that, like 16 that to 13? That game was painful. Yeah, 16 to 13. It was painful. So, man, I'm, Oklahoma, man, they were living on the edge last year in so many games. But they found, found a way to, to win, you know, all of them except, uh, obviously, the one in Waco and the one in Stillwater. All right, back to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Brian in Tulsa says, so Neil Brown is saying he has 99 problems, but losing ain't one. <laughs> well done, sir. Uh, do we have an intermediate passing game, or is Dylan just not seeing it? Well, 
people listen, it's Dylan, not Dillian, okay? The amount of people who hit the text line every single day and spell Dylan Gabriel's name like million with a D. Wasn't Matt Dillian the, uh, in Gunsmoke, James Arness? I don't know. So do we have an intermediate passing game or is Dylan just not seeing it well? Just curious as to why we only throw go routes, post routes, and wide receiver screens. I don't feel like that's true. I don't feel like that's all I mean, Dylan throwing some throws. to Braden Willis. Yeah, there's the intermediate game has been present. One in was picked offense. last week, as a matter of fact. One, one was picked last week. Uh, is it as much of a cornerstone in the offense as you maybe would like right now for this program? Not necessarily. I think there's room for improvement in that regard. But I also think that's not – how do I phrase this? That's not a pillar of Jeff Levy's offense. They like to take those deep shots. They like to take deep shots. They like to get the ball to the boundary immediately and get it into their playmakers' hands. Screens are a really easy way to do that. And they like to run the football and run it frequently. And you've seen plenty of that with Eric Gray, who was upwards of 30 touches last week, I believe. Who do we say was the MVP of the team so far? Eric Gray, Eric right? Gray. And he was, again, great. Braden Willis has had a great year. Billy Bowman uh, has also had a really good year uh, when he's been healthy, obviously. Okay, uh, here we go. Oh, we have uh, we have some statistical foundation for the Landry Jones argument. Ah, that backing it up with stats is never a bad hey, idea. Hey, love this. Love this. Thanks, guys. Love the show, or I wouldn't continue to sacrifice two hours of my day to listen. Landry Jones in his sophomore year. 405 for 617. 4,718 yards, 38 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Jason White's Heisman year, 278 of 451, 3,846 yards, 40 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Landry's production took a hit when Kevin Wilson left, and I think we can all agree that Josh Heupel was not the offensive coordinator that he is today back then. To the person that said Landry Jones is the worst starting quarterback OU has had, Take a seat and let the adults talk. Also, stay in school. That's a winning text right there. That is a winning text. That's a winner. Hey, listen. That's a winner. I still will take Dylan Gabriel over Landry Jones, but I certainly see your (laughs) argument, and you have backed it up with facts and statistics, which I appreciate. Uh, By the way, Realtor Chris says, yes, Mike, Matt Dillian and Festus is on uh, Gunsmoke. So, yes. How many people? There are more than just a few people that do put – I O N on the end of his name in their text. I don't. I don't. I, I don't know why that is. There's only one I, folks. Dylan, not Dillian. Nine one eight also says Landry is a C plus quarterback. Dylan is a C. Yeah, I, I don't think Dylan's a C quarterback. But you're coming off the recency bias, and that was a three pick Saturday. Yeah, what does Landry have? Or um, and what does Dylan have right now? Something like. 14 touchdowns to four picks, two of which, like we uh, said, weren't right. his fault. So you extrapolate that over the course of an entire season, and you throw out the couple games that uh, he sat out due to the concussion. Well, I guess he sat out one full game and the majority of another game. But statistically, he's not that far off from those benchmarks for Landry. And you got to keep in mind. 16 Land- TDs, four picks for Dylan Gabriel. Yeah. Landry Jones threw the ball, as you mentioned, six 117 times that year. So, if we're talking yards per attempt, if we're talking averages, 
Uh, a lot of those statistics that Landry Jones put up were due to sheer volume because Oklahoma was throwing the ball in that era more so than they ever have in school history and probably ever will again. One from the 580, will Billy Bowman be back next year? Uh, why, why wouldn't he be? I mean, is he eligible to go? No, he's not. I didn't think and so. I don't think he's hitting what? the transfer portal. Sir, you have just caused a statewide coronary. Be very careful with the questions that you ask on the text line. Hey, listen. As long as Jada Coleman's back next year, Billy Bowman's back next year. That's the way I see it. There you go. Uh, <laughs> INTs aren't a measure. Troy Aikman threw 140 interceptions for Dallas, and he is in the Hall of Fame. That's a whole nother can of worms, man. And we talk about how much credit a quarterback gets for his team winning. And look, I am a huge, huge fan of Jason White. I think he's one of the most underappreciated Sooners of all time. But... I think you can absolutely say with some degree of certainty and confidence that Jason White's Heisman case that year was enhanced by the fact that Oklahoma was undefeated in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, um, Troy I mean, He's Aikman. pretty good, too, though, Jason White. Oh, I oh mean, yes. I, listen, I, I will never take anything away from Jason White. Tough as nails did. and uh, thinking about how he, he rebuilt he, – they rebuilt him like they did the $6 million man yeah. back in the 70s because everybody thought he was done, man. And if he would have been done after that second ACL, people would have said, man, tough break for Jason White. Old Troy Aikman. But he came back and won a statue, the Heisman. If you put Troy Aikman on like, shoot, I'll use my own NFL team as an example. You put Troy Aikman on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for the 12 years that he played in the NFL – there's not a snowflakes chance in hell that guy's in the Hall of Fame. Supporting cast means a lot in just about everything you do, right? And rings mean a lot, too. Mm-hmm. It's the only reason why Eli Manning has a case for the Hall of Fame, either. Yeah, he was uh, Bill Belichick's kryptonite, no doubt. All right, we got a break right here. We do have Jesse Crittenden coming up next on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Beats and Bites Festival coming up Friday night, November 18th. It's going to be a big night outdoors at Riverwind. Normally, these are summer shows, but this one is special just for Bedlam. Big time, all right? Think about it. The Eli Young Band on stage. Wade Bowen on stage. The best food trucks everywhere. A beautiful November night's. And you have your folding chairs out there. It's a kid-friendly environment. It's going to be a great night. And the tickets to see the show for Bedlam Beats and Bites are only 5 bucks. That's it. They're available at Riverwind.com right now, online, and inside uh, the casino right there at the box office outside the Showplace Theater. Bedlam Beats and Bites coming up Friday night, November 18th. We shall return.
Here we are with Jesse Crittenden, Norman Transcript uh, Sports Director, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Wednesday edition of Steel Man and Thune at noon here on the Ref Radio Network well past noon. We're about 30 minutes away from getting locked in uh, with uh, Parker and Tyler McComas coming up here in a bit. All right, Jesse, the, uh, the, the Boomer Doomers are out again this week. They have reappeared after the loss to... Baylor. So uh, what what are you thinking about the way Brent has answered questions both after the game and uh, at the press conference the other day about what's ahead for Oklahoma and what some of the issues are? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think what you're seeing is, is I mean, Brent Venables is, is frustrated and I think in a lot of ways, reasonably so. In some ways, I think that Baylor, that Baylor loss, I mean, as, as, as bad as the, the losses TCU and Texas were, I think that Baylor loss in, in some ways might be the most frustrating loss of the season. I mean, because that was that was certainly a winnable game for OU, not, not to take away credit from Baylor. But, I mean, there, there's just several things on both sides of the ball um, that you can look at for OU, and, and, and the players alluded to it. They, they shot themselves in the foot with some bad, unnecessary penalties a few times where there, there was just a lack of execution. And, and I think I think there's this there's this kind of balance right now for Brent in terms of obviously there's things that the coaches can do better, but I mean it's not the coaches out on the field; it's still the players that need to execute and and know where they need to be. So I mean I think you're still seeing some some of the issues and corp- I mean getting these guys incorporated into Brent Venables' defensive scheme and. Um, I think the offense has has been good, but not as great as it could be with some self-inflicted issues. So I think you're seeing a, a, a head coach right now that is, in a lot of ways, I mean, a little frustrated with the way things are going. Jesse, uh, you think back to that game on Saturday, and it's been about the little things so frequently for this football program. When you look at this loss and the Kansas State loss in particular, and we had a texter on the Air Comfort Solutions text line say, Parker, you're a young pup that thinks you know it all. And look, I do not know it all. Uh, never never have pretended to know it all. And in fact, one thing I did not know on Saturday was the touchback rule in college football because first play of the fourth quarter, the Sooners appeared to have downed a punt inside the two-yard line. Uh, however, the difference between the college rule regarding the touchback and the NFL rule, which I just became aware of via Twitter yesterday, thanks to several of my astute followers, was that uh, the ball can't cross the plane of the goal line in college football. Otherwise, it's a touchback as opposed to in the NFL, where as long as the player's saving it, uh, does not set foot in the end zone. You can essentially toss it back into the field of play and down it. So to kick off the fourth quarter that way, when you think back to how many of these little things have added up to come back and haunt Oklahoma in these losses. First off, I'd love to know how much confusion was there in the press conference over that play? Were there people that were as baffled as I was? And then secondly, how large do you think that loomed, that difference of 18 yards in field position to kick off the fourth quarter between Baylor starting off at the two-yard line versus getting a fresh set of downs at the 20? Yeah, there, there was definitely discussion about um, that touchback rule. Um, and because, yeah, I think it's easy to get it confused with, with the way the NFL is compared to college football. And, and, I, and I understand that, that college football and the NFL, it's not the exact same game. Uh, it's not played the exact same way, but I, I do think that's one of those things that can get confusing, and, and it's not super clear why there is a difference between the two sports. I've always even wondered, like with uh, you know needing to maintain one foot in bounds on receptions compared to two, you know things like that. 
so there was definitely some discussion uh, about trying to remember, you know, which rule be- belongs to which league. Um, but yeah, I think just looking at it purely strategically, uh, I think that was really tough when OU decided not to go for it um, on that fourth down, and even back it up a little bit more that that third down to end the third quarter that didn't really that play didn't really go anywhere, and then you decide to to punt at the start of the fourth, and that's the thing because you you can go for it right there, but if you don't, you absolutely have to pin them deep in their own territory. So when you don't go for it and then you don't pin them deep. It, it, it was kind of, you know, those two things kind of collapsing on themselves. And then you combine that with Baylor going for it on fourth and one from their own 29, which even as, as teams go for it more and more on fourth down in, in the NFL and college football, that was a pretty gutsy, <laughs> pretty gutsy decision by Baylor, but they went for it and got it, end up scoring on that drive. I mean, that's within the first three or four minutes of the fourth quarter. I mean, you, that's just, that's, uh, you couldn't start the fourth quarter much worse, and that put OU in a hole that, I mean, they really couldn't get out of. All right, uh, Jesse Crittenden is with us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. And, uh, Jesse, you know, Brent, obviously, you can tell he's getting more frustrated because, uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, believing in, in the process, trusting the process, doing the right thing every day, all of that stuff. And you're not seeing the results yet, but he's, he also said, you know, it's not about the results. It's about doing, giving your best and being at your best and, uh, you know, not playing the scoreboard, all of that stuff. And, you know, Sooner fans, I think, still a vast majority of them believe that Brent is the guy. But there are those who are thinking, man, I'm, I'm tired of hearing him talk about the same stuff. You know, they're already, uh, like I said, these are the boomer, doomer peoples. But uh, people, peoples. How uh, how much do you think, you know, Dan Lanning and Sonny Dykes and now Brian Kelly's got LSU turned around, Marcus Freeman now has got Notre Dame moving in the right direction, and really the, the prominent first-year coaches out there, the, the only ones who have, haven't really seen it happen yet are Mario Cristobal and Brent. So, you know, and, and I guess people are under the assumption that this is just easy. And, uh, you know, you can lose all these guys to the NFL and through the portal and just keep, you know, churning out victories. What are you hearing from, you know, readers and people around you on uh, social media about, uh, you know, this first season overall? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that from from my perception, what I've heard, that I mean, there's still – I mean, I, I don't think the – I don't think the the walls are are closing in, or that you know that there are people who are who are no longer optimistic um, about the future of the program. And and I think and I think the most realistic people, most realistic fans following the program, I think a lot of them expected that. I mean, it, it was possible that you know this wasn't going to be a, a ten or more win regular season competing for the Big Twelve, and that there was. I, you know, some variance in how this was going to go. At the same time, I do think there is some, I see some reasonable um, frustration with being five and four at this point in the season. And, and the four losses of, you know, you've, you've got two really, really big blown out losses. And then you've got two games that, you know, again, you can look back and say, man, if, if, if they don't do this here, if they don't have this penalty here, they win the game. So, that, so you've kind of had both spectrums of, of how to lose. So far this season, but I think I think Brent has had a really unique task once he took over this football program. Not only with dealing with the fallout 
from Lincoln Riley leaving and the and the exodus of talent both in the transfer portal and to the NFL draft. But I mean, I, I, he's made it clear. He made it clear from day one that he also wanted to change so many things about the culture. And in reality, I mean, even when new coaches take over other programs you don't see quite this big of a shift like there has been between Lincoln Riley and Brent Venables. They run, they, they've both run this program very differently, have put priorities on different things when it comes to the players they want, the schemes they run. I mean, this, this is in a lot of ways a full 180 for this program. And now I think the dynamic, the thing that Brent is going to have to, is going to have to deal with is, you know, it is okay for some things to take time. It is okay to exercise patience, but football is a very, results-driven business you only get 12 regular season games a year um you know to to play games and see how you do so i think that's going to now be the dynamic moving forward is this is going to take time for everything he's wanting to do to come to fruition but you've still got to try to win games so i i I think in a lot of ways these last three games are going to be important for trying to establish what brand is trying to do and and to develop some momentum going into the offseason Jesse, very simple question before we let you go. The Sooners have not lost to West Virginia since the Mountaineers joined the Big 12. Does that change this weekend? I, I think I, I honestly think Oklahoma finds a way uh, to get a win this weekend, although I really don't think it's going to be easy. I think this is the West Virginia team that has been more competitive than its record shows. They're going to be very motivated to beat an OU team they haven't beaten since conference play began. West Virginia has been tough at home, and this is a pretty tough loss for that OU's coming off of. So, I mean, it's going to take the right mindset. It's going to take, um, you know, the, the right attitude to bounce back. It's. I don't think it's going to be an easy win, but I think OU, I think all these players and coaches understand how big of a game this really is just from, you know, getting things geared back in the right direction and i think they find a way to do it in a close game jesse we appreciate it thank you very much appreciate you guys having me on jesse crittenden norman transcript sports editor uh, joining us here on the riverwind casino hotline as we get a break new tweets from miguel chavis yeah 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 this day is going to be a fun one what does it mean? Maybe he's just having barbecue for dinner. Man, it's got the OU DNA and hashtag chosen on there. Chosen 23. Hmm. There must be an answer. We're going to try and figure it out when we get back right here on The Ref. All right, we are back here to wrap it up for uh, hour number two and get you ready to get locked in with Parker and Tyler McComas coming up here in a minute. Actually, about uh, 10 minutes to be precise. Brought to you uh, this hour by the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Exit 72 for a great deal in a car, truck, SUV, pre-owned vehicle. They've got it all at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. 
All right, so what do we think uh, Miguel Chavis is talking about? I don't know. I mean, I have my guesses, but obviously it's not really something I'll have the opportunity to dig in on until we're off the air. Yeah, right, yeah. So believe it or not, uh, maybe somebody that – could it be somebody completely off the radar? It might not be anybody in particular that he's Mm -hmm. referring to. Hmm. Might just be, you know, something happened in the office that everybody's excited. I, I, I really don't know, and I don't want to speculate because I'll speculate. it could be a million different things. Colton Mossick's flipping back. That's it. It's like the guy who asked me five minutes after it happened yesterday. I get a text, what are the chances we flip Mossick back? And I wanted to say, you're an idiot, but he's a friend of mine. But So I didn't. But I just, I'm like, my gosh. As me. first reported by Mike Steely <laughs> on this radio program, circa 1.54 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday, November 9th, Colton Vosick is flipping back to Oklahoma. What did Chavis say? Well, I did tell, I did say it in the break. He said this day is going to be an interesting one. A fun one. Oh, a fun one. Yeah, yeah, you're right. This day is going to be a fun one. But you've got the uh, the class hashtag included. Well, it wasn't the class hashtag, I don't think. It was just... No, I think there was an OU Chosen on there, right? Oh, was there really? I believe did so. He, did he delete the original tweet and replace it? Because I didn't I didn't catch that in the original tweet. Uh, um, let me make sure. But I thought I saw the... Uh, saw that hey, hashtag. guess what, guess what, guess what? Yep. <laughs> So, oh no! An hour ago, okay. An hour ago, Oklahoma offered Taylor Wine. We talked about that, right? The three-star edge from the state of Tennessee. You know who just offered him? Not one hour later. Texas Mule Shoe. What? That son of a. Wow, you almost went full Pat McAfee there. That dude, I'm telling you, he's. Okay, so yeah, Miguel Chavis did he did pull down the original tweet and tweet a new one. And it does have the chosen hashtag. Yeah. Okay. Well if it's a fun one, I mean an offer is kind of fun, but it's not real super fun. It's just an offer. Fun means somebody is committing to the University of Oklahoma. Yeah, well. That's the way I interpret fun. Oh, the offer that's... is not much fun. It's interesting, but it's not fun. Somebody on the text line said, Chavis got Bowen. Hmm. Now, who would Miguel Chavis be? Is it that Ted Roof quit? Yeah. Miguel Chavis. Ted Roof might have as many haters <laughs> on the Air Comfort Solution text line as oh, Jimbo at this point. Old Venmo Fisher. Um, who could that be referring to? Coming from Chavis. <clears throat> well, okay, coming from Chavis, it could mean anybody because obviously the entire staff is in touch with one another as far as recruiting is concerned. So if we're talking about Chavis, hey, maybe Taylor Wine committed on the spot. Who knows? Could be. I'm still going Taylor Wayne, but we'll see. Wine, Wayne. You need you need another body there on the uh, the edge, right? Might also might also be some good news regarding the Notre Dame transfer, Jacob Lacey, because again that visit went very very well over the yeah. weekend. Okay, so could be a transfer addition. 
I don't know. I'm just spitballing here, Steely. Hmm. I think that um, surely we're going to know something by the end of the day then. Because this is going – this day is going to be a fun one. I'm holding Miguel Chavis to that. So I guess up until midnight. So we'll see what happens. But interesting. It's been so long, Sooner fans are starving to get another commitment, man. It's been since the days, the old days – of Macari Bickers and Anthony Evans committing, which seems like about a decade ago, does it not? It really does at this point. August 26th. That's how long it's been. Good Lord. That's a long time ago. What was happening on August 26th? The honeymoon period. Well, yeah, the honeymoon period was still happening. Well, obviously. Yeah. Um, it was before any games had been played. The Boomer the Doomers, season. the Boomer Doomers weren't around at that time. Now their numbers are growing each and every week, and they added some new members after uh, the Baylor L over the weekend. So, all right, uh, Parker and Tyler McComas will talk more about what could be going on with this tweet. Parker may have a few minutes to investigate. I don't I, know. I will do my best. He's, I will investigate. He's going to give it his very best effort. It's about a commitment to excellence. With Parker, no doubt. All right, thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Thanks to our friends at Riverwind, Bedlam Beats and Bites. Coming up Friday night, November 18th. Don't forget about Veterans and Victories. If you're a veteran, get out to Riverwind and win on Veterans Day this Friday. Find out more at riverwind.com. We are out of here.